Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help sustain yourself and your wealth for 30 plus years. On today's show, we're going to be discussing the state of the economy and what structured notes are and buffered ETFs. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions for you. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO and president of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that, Brian. And as always, I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. We've got another information-packed show lined up for us. Brian, as we look back at what has happened this year, it seems to me, and this is an understatement, this has been sort of a really wild ride, hasn't it? Well, it has been. Now, I go back and listen to my shows in prior years. I basically say we're always going to be in a wild ride <laughs> to some degree in markets. That's the nature of markets and economies, but especially in the last several years. I mean, we've had boom and bust years, COVID. Uh, we had all the extra spending and the money pumped into the economy. And then it took off. The market took off. And then, of course, the Fed said, oh, no, we can't have that. We Now we have inflation. So then they, they've been putting the brakes on the economy. And the economy's been trying to fight back overall against that. So the Fed keeps raising rates. He said, gosh darn it, I'm going to get you in a recession whether you like it or not. Now, of course, we don't like it. And so, you know, the markets and companies, their earnings and so forth are just being whipsawed even more than normal, I would say. You hear, wow, the stock market's way up. Well, yeah, when you go on Yahoo and you pull up stock market and you hit year to date, you go, gosh, it's way up. I should be way up. Uh, how come I don't feel that way? Well, that's because when you hit the two-year graph, then it goes, oh, oh, I see, because it went way down and it just kind of recovered what it went down. It's not really up at all. So it just depends on your time that you're looking at it. But yeah, we've got a wild ride going. And uh, again, it's uh, probably wilder than it has been in the past. I've, I've always contended that technology uh, adds to that. There's a lot more people you know, with access to any whim during the day. They can go online and trade. Computers are actively trading, uh, trying to time things. We've got derivatives out there and, and synthetic markets and lots of extra volume from that. Uh, options trading to the nth degree. You you know, all this stuff is going on. So that can help whipsaw the market. So this stuff isn't easy for the do-it-yourself investor because of, of all the wild things that are going on. And Brian, the national debt is $32.5 trillion. These are some of the headlines here. Unemployment is around 3.6%. The banking industry had its worst year since 1937 with its 24-7 news cycles. Do you think that that's a bad thing for investors in that they can see these things and they have an emotional reaction to them? And furthermore, now they have at their fingertips the ability to try to control their destiny financially. Well, a couple things on that. Uh, one is that there's so much data out there that there's a lot of inertia. A lot of people have gotten to the point where they're just like, I can't even follow this stuff. 
okay, we just said the national debt is you know over 32 trillion. What am I supposed to do with that piece of information? Panic, mm-hmm. buy, sell? I I don't know. You know, it's uh, one of these things where I, I remember meeting this this person that was coming in. He, I, I don't think he was looking for an advisor. I, I don't know what he was coming in for. He came in with this stack about two feet tall of papers, and they went back 20 years. And I said, well, what's that? And he says, my research. I said, oh, what do you do? I watch the stock market, and I watch it go up. I watch it go down. I research things, and I put them in this pile. And I said, well, what do you do with the information? when you get it. He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm looking at your statement. You haven't made a trade in 20 years. I'm looking at the cost base of everything you own. It's 20 years old. He goes, yeah, I don't do anything with it, but I watch it. I'm like, okay, because we have so much information out there that we we tend to not even do anything or put our head in the sand and say, it's just over my head. I don't know what to do with that. Again, you just said the national debt's 32 trillion. What what does that mean to me? Well, one thing I can say to my client is that means that the government's going to have to do, you know, one of a couple things or a couple of them. They're going to have to raise taxes because they owe a lot of money and it's going up, 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 and it's not leveling off. It's not going down. They got to raise taxes. Now we could have an economic boom, but even when that happens, politicians tend to say, hey, look, there's more money coming in. Instead of going another two or three trillion in, in debt this year, let's go just one trillion in debt or, you know, they'll, they'll increase their spending to offset uh, any of the gains it tends to be. So I mentioned raising taxes or the government could default. Well, let's hope they don't pick that one. So what's most likely? those three, I'd say raising taxes. So what does that mean to us? Well, as a CPA firm and financial advisor, that means we need to have some tax efficient strategies. We need to review your tax return when you, you come in and have us look at your finances, your investments. We need to have a tax smart strategy. It might be universal life policy for tax-free income, taking advantage of step up in basis on future inherited assets or legacy uh, estate planning, gifting strategies. It could be Delaware statutory trust for your real estate as an exit strategy there that could be tax deferred and eventually permanently tax free. There's a lot of things that can be done. So just that one stat that you mentioned, Jeff, the 32 trillion, what does that mean to me? Well, to me, I see a lot of planning opportunities because I already know something that I think you as a listener would agree, taxes have to go up. I don't know when, but they got to go up. And so that stat alone gives me an idea of what kinds of things we can do for you. You mentioned another stat, uh, banking industry had its worst year since 1937. What that refers to is a Barclays analyst who did the relative performance of the banking industry versus the S&P. The spread between them was the worst, evidently, since 1937. And that makes a lot of sense to me, actually, because if you go back to prior shows, I was talking about one thing I couldn't figure out at the time. How is it that we have this high inflation and people are finding it tough to borrow money, banks aren't lending a lot of money, yet they're paying really high CD rates, some of them anyway. And so they're paying a lot of money for money they're not lending out. For the life of me, I couldn't figure out, well, how does that business model work? I understand they don't want to lose deposits and get behind their competitors, but they're all kind of doing this. And it didn't make any sense to me. Well, now it completely makes sense. What they're doing is hurting their bottom line, which is hurting their stock price. So they had the worst relative performance versus the S&P since 1937. I finally got my answer, Jeff. I'm really, (laughs) I I, I don't like the answer, but uh, they were basically cannibalizing their profits just to stay active and, and competitive with other banks, knowing that they were going the wrong way because they can't pay 5% on a CD 
and not lend that money out and expect uh, any profit, obviously you've just recorded a loss. And so they, in the old days, they could borrow money at zero, lend it out at, at whatever rate, and it was all profit. Well, now the Fed you know, is charging them a boatload of interest because uh, they keep raising the, the Fed rate. That's how they get their money. Essentially, they're, they're paying more for their products. It's like, it's like a car dealer paying $50,000 for each car on the lot, and they're selling them for forty k. And you're going, how does that work? And, and while well, I just figured it out, your, your business suffers, your profitability goes down and your, your company's worth a lot less. And so their relative performance is bad. So what does that mean to me? Okay, banks are, are really don't have a good thing going right now. What does that mean to me? Well, a lot of investing can be done outside of indexes where you just kind of, well, I just got to take it. I'm in an index. You can do a sector rotation strategy. We employ a lot of sector rotation strategies for our clients where we look at individual sectors. We might say, hmm, banking industry doesn't look good because their profitability is going to go down. Semiconductors maybe look good or, or whatever it is. I'm just throwing the sectors out there. But there's many, many sectors out there. So a sector rotation strategy that isn't trying to just time the market. It was marketing to go down or up. That's timing the market. It's more uh, using a lot of common sense and, and analytics to say certain sectors are poised for a good run and certain sectors are not. So, hmm, let's get out of the ones that are not and into ones that are. So again, just having a data point can lead to us, you know, getting together and taking that data and making some use out of it instead of just going, oh, I just feel terrible. There's all this bad financial data out there. Well, there's opportunity when there's data. I mean, if, if you can use the data, but deciphering it is very, very difficult. And that's something we do. And, and certainly deciphering tax planning strategies isn't something that uh, don't try this at home, folks. Uh, <laughs> get some help on that one because that's a tough one, too. Brian, let's say I'm 60 years old. I want to retire at 65. You've talked about adjusting your portfolio and tax planning. When does somebody want to take their retirement planning seriously in light of all the things that you've talked about today? Jeff, you asked me some tough questions on this show. That one was probably the easiest one to answer. <laughs> I knew I'm the answer say, to that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to say today, right. but let me say why I would say today. <laughs> Just because you're going to retire at 65 doesn't mean you're set up to do that well. You said you're 60 years old. Well, gosh, uh, already I'm thinking, uh, and you want to retire at 65. Already I'm thinking, well, you're 59 and a half, so over 59 and a half. So now you've got options available to you with your 401k, your 403b, your thrift savings plan, et cetera. Uh, maybe rolling that over into an IRA and getting into products that you cannot access in your 401k plan. You know, a lot of people want to solve for cash flow in retirement. And one way to do cash flow is through uh, annuities with lifetime, uh, guaranteed lifetime cash flow. And so are they better to buy at age 60 or 65? Well, they're better at 60 because the earlier you get into them, the longer you have for their mechanics to work out to give you a bigger check in retirement. So already we're, we're looking at it and going, you know, you're probably in a stock bond split at your 401k and you're 60 years old. And I'm saying, well, wait a second. We could position some of these assets in a certain way to take advantage of things so that when you're 65, they're helpful. Maybe you have excess income. We can get a universal life policy at age 60 that can pay you tax-free cash flow in retirement. Maybe you need a repositioning of accounts out of bonds and into other things. Or maybe even look at bond alternatives such as uh, fixed index annuities, buffered ETFs, structured notes which we're going to talk about later in the show so again some products that you cannot access on your own just having the plan and you know here's another question why 65 
What if I did a financial plan and it said you could retire now? What if we did a financial plan and said you shouldn't retire at 65, you need to work till 70? You know, depending on your situation, I think you should know that, not just pick an arbitrary number. So the financial planning process will help you answer that. I can't tell you how many times, and it happens more often than not, that I tell people way more often that I tell people they can retire earlier than they ever thought. So just by asking that question, having the the analysis done, the steps that we take you through might add years to your life of leisure and doing what you want to do as opposed to working at a job that you don't want to work at and all because you had a financial plan done and you didn't rely on some arbitrary age 65 number before you decided to think about it. So uh, again, Jeff, thank you for the, the layup question there. <laughs> when should I start financial planning? I'd say the answer is definitely today. Yeah, and uh, that would be the second best. I think the best was yesterday, but the best that we can do right now is today. Well, Brian, I'm willing to bet that our listeners may want to enhance their retirement plans and portfolios based on the information that we have talked about today. So if you want to strengthen your portfolio and overall retirement with more deliberate diversifications, then call this number. It's 833-673-7373 right now so that you can request the Madrona 30-point analysis. Now, you must have at least $500,000 or more of investable assets to qualify for the Madrona 30-point analysis. But those who do qualify will be able to enjoy this conversational analysis intended to dynamically cover a wide range of topics based on your unique and individual situation so that you can proactively adjust your financial plan and strategy to help avoid sleepless nights and unnecessary stress. Now, as a bonus, we're also going to send you out a copy of Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. When you call, you're going to get a friendly voice in the other end of the line who will ask you a couple of basic questions, and then your information will go to our team who will reach out to you within one business day to schedule your 30-point analysis. Remember, it's not going to cost you a dime. There is no obligation, but this 30-point analysis could be just what you need to help uncover several blind spots while improving your overall quality of life for the next 30-plus years. Once again, that number, 833-673-7373. That's 833-673-7373. And phone lines are open right now. Brian, I've looked around the office here at Madrona Financial and CPAs, and I don't seem to be able to find that crystal ball that I'm always looking for. Nobody seems to have one, and no one knows the future of the market. But Brian, if you had to guess, would you say that we're in a strong economy or a weaker economic situation? Uh, I'd say both. (laughs) It really depends on what area of the economy you're looking at. And that's been really interesting to watch. It's been certainly weakened by the federal government. And we we talked about the $32 trillion. That's $32 trillion taken out from investing because people buy those bonds. And they could invest in the stock market. They could invest in their own business. They could invest it in real estate. Instead, they invest it into these bonds. And that takes that money out for that purpose. And so that weakens the economy. And with that high demand, because the government keeps borrowing more money, they put themselves in a situation where, you know, the Fed is trying to kill the economy. That's a bad thing. So, you know, we're we're seeing the Fed just saying, no, we're just, we don't care that we're going to, we like the idea of a recession almost, you know, almost say they're just, they're blatantly saying that because they want to control inflation. They said, we're going to control inflation. So that's all they seem, you know, they're laser focused on that, but there's only so much they can do because obviously setting that, the economy was humming along pretty good as a reaction to all the money that was pumped into it previously that got us in this situation in the first place. 
So that's why the Fed hasn't been able to slow down inflation really very much at all. They've, they've slowed it down from its record increases, but you know it's kind of flying in the face of what they're trying to do with the strong economy. Well, we're always going to have to pay the piper someday. So all that money we pumped in the economy, all the actions that are taken, even what the Fed's doing right now, is going to have a long-term effect. And that long-term effect could absolutely be negative. We definitely have uh, some serious problems that, again, you've got to pay the piper. When you borrow a lot of money, you're supposed to pay it back someday. But we don't have a plan for that at all. When you have Social Security that's going to be planned on you know running way low on funds and being uh, only covering 75% of the benefit in less than a decade and nobody's doing anything about that, well, you got to pay the piper someday. When you raise interest rates and you uh, restrict lending activities and, and people don't want to borrow because they can't afford, well, now you've hurt many things. You've hurt business expansion. You've hurt real estate investing. People aren't going to want to sell their house because they have a 3% mortgage. And they're saying, well, if I sell my house, I'll, I'll go out and my payment's going to go up 50% for the same house someplace else right? You know, or whatever that percentage is. I don't know, but it's a lot. They're not going to do it. And so that shuts down the home markets, which slows down suppliers and vendors and purchasing and, and all this stuff has an effect in it. And it goes through the economy and lowers profitability. And stock markets are priced essentially on profitability. That's the main reason. And most of that profitability is from consumerism. And if consumerism slows down because of all these factors, I said, we could have a very, very bumpy ride in the stock market. So one of the biggest issues for a retiree is, you know, they look at their portfolio and they go, well, my plan says I'll be fine, but that assumed a positive return every year for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. But Brian, you're saying we could have some really bumpy times. I'm like, well, yeah, we can. We, we have in the past. I don't know why that would change. And we certainly have a lot of indicators that say there's some risk out there. So aligning your portfolio with that in mind is critical for a retiree because the one thing a retiree does not want to hear is, oh, yeah, you know that assumption we made five years ago? Uh, didn't work out so good. Took too much risk. Um, do you think you can get your old job back? I don't think anybody wants to hear that. You no, know? no, no. There are things we can do, and many of those things are not accessible to the do-it-yourself investor. I talk about that on the show a lot. It's not that you could read about the stuff, but unless you're a licensed financial advisor, you can't invest in so many of the more interesting, many of the more interesting types of products out there that uh, you can't do that on your own. You have to go through a financial advisor. And hopefully you go through one that actually knows that they're, you know, has a lot of experience in, in what they're talking about and, and isn't trying to push one type of product over another. Unfortunately, there's a lot of that out there, too. Brian, you talked about a bumpy ride and considering that the Fed, Jerome Powell, says that he may raise interest rates again, 25 basis points. And he says, I'm going to keep doing this until there is a recession. If he does that, continues to do that, we don't have a recession. It occurs to me that this bumpy ride could even get bumpier. Yeah, I think anybody who's invested for a longer period of time remembers 2000 through 2009. Talk about a bumpy ride. Two stock market crashes in one decade, a malaise. You know, even if you rode those out and stayed invested, which a lot of people didn't, by the way, even if you did, it was a lost decade. Oh, and bonds were interest rates are going up, so they were losing money too, many of the bond indices. So you think about that stock bond mix, you were pulling money out for those 10 years. You do the math on that, it is not good. Okay, a sequence of turn risk really could damage your portfolio, did many people. So could we have that again? Well, we won't have it exactly that. We, we'll have, we could have some version of that though. 
we could have, go through a decade. And if it's the first decade of your retirement, you go, huh, that's not good. If we have another 10-year span like that, and I'm pulling money out of my retirement accounts because I didn't set up proper income strategies, I could be in a big heap of hurt here and then maybe have to go back to work. So now is the time to say, are there other alternative products that can help support the idea that what if we have a very tough stock market? What if the stock market is such that over a longer period of time, I don't have gains to rely on because of some of the issues we brought up on this show? I don't know what's going to happen. I won't pretend to know, but I do know that planning ahead and positioning yourself now will give you a little more peace of mind than just saying, well, we'll see what happens and I'll just leave it all in the stock bond market and hope for the best. That probably uh, doesn't give you a lot of peace of mind or <laughs> even if it does you, probably not your spouse. <laughs> Brian, before we wrap up this segment, can you talk about the six markets that we can invest in? Yeah, there's basically six. Uh, one is cash and cash equivalents like CDs and so forth. That's that's good for liquidity. And I just watched this video by another advisor who said, oh, let me tell you why CDs suck. It was the name of his video. I'm like, really? <laughs> uh, as we say on this show, no investment category is bad or in his, his words, sucks. They all have a purpose. No investment category is always good. It's not always bad. It's where is it appropriate? Cash and cash equivalents is very appropriate if you need liquidity and security. You know, and, and you don't necessarily need high returns. Okay, it's very important for that. Everybody should have liquidity in their account. Uh, the second category is bonds. And we voiced our opinion on bonds as interest rates were rising, how suspect they are and how poorly they did last year in the market and so forth. But bonds is, is a huge category. Uh, the stock market is the third. So we got cash, bonds, stocks. Real estate is the fourth. That could be active real estate where you're a landlord. And I'm talking investment real estate, not your principal residence. Because I figure you got to have a place to live. I don't really call that an investment category. The principal residence is where you, gotta, you, you live. But it could be active real estate or passive real estate through a REIT, a Delaware Statutory Trust, or private non-traded REIT, uh, different kinds of things. So we got cash, bonds, stocks real estate. The fifth category is insurance company products. Insurance company products can be a useful tool to create lifetime cash flow, guaranteed lifetime cash flow, or safe accumulation. So insurance company products. And then the final category is kind of a catch-all. We'll call it alternatives. So alternatives could be private equity. It could be different kinds of structured notes or buffered ETFs, or it could be crypto, you know, precious metals, those kinds of things. So that's kind of the catch-all for the rest of them. So again, in summary, cash, cash equivalents, bonds, stocks, real estate, insurance company products, and alternatives. So a mix of all six of those should be looked at, not necessarily invested in, but looked at for you in your portfolio. Thanks, Brian. Before we take our break, once again, I want to remind our listeners to call for your 30-point analysis. Don't wait until it's too late. That number to call 833-673-7373, 833-673-7373. The phone lines are open right now. If you're just joining us, this is Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. I'm Jeff Shade, and we've just finished discussing the state of the economy. If you want to hear the show again, don't worry, we're also a podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts and search for Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. You're going to be getting this show and weekday takeaways so you can stay on top of your wealth and how to grow it. Brian, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be discussing what are structured notes and buffered ETFs. Stay tuned. Want more strategies that can help support the quality of life you want for 30 plus years? Well, stick around. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth. 
Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And in this segment, we're being talking about buffered ETFs and structured notes. Now, Brian, I know what an ETF is, exchange-traded fund. A note is, if I understand it right, kind of like a bond. So, what in the world is a structured note and a buffered ETF? Yeah, Jeff, before we we get into some of the particulars about them, because this can be pretty complicated stuff, and this is, you know, might be driving in your car. I hope you don't get in an accident trying to listen (laughs) to every word we say, you know. So I I think it'd be helpful to structure this because, again, we always talk about every investment category has pros and cons, and they're appropriate for different situations. So when somebody comes to me and they say, you know, Brian, I would like to have less risk rather than more risk, but I like to get nice returns. Well, that would be virtually every client I've ever talked to, Jeff. So these products are important to look at because they do some of each. Now, one way I explain them is, you know, we've talked about fixed index annuities for accumulation. So when a client comes to me and says, Brian, I want zero risk in my investments, with the max return while getting zero risk, max potential return. Mm-hmm. If the stock market does well, I want to do pretty well. If it does poorly, I don't want to lose a penny. What do you got for me? I'll say, well, I got a fixed index annuity for you. One that's not designed for lifetime cash flow, but just safe accumulation. That is a product for you. Now, the next step up the risk return scale, in my opinion, would be a buffered ETF. What is a buffered ETF? Well, a buffered ETF says, tell you what, you can have all of the gains of the stock market up to a certain percentage, and that percentage is going to be much higher than that fixed index annuity we just looked at. And you go, oh, that sounds like a pro. Yeah, that's a pro. So the fixed index annuity will have a a lower ceiling, a lower amount that you can earn in a good year in the market than a buffered ETF. A buffered ETF would have a much, much higher ceiling. The problem, okay, what's the catch here? Well, there's there's always a negative. The buffered ETF says we're going to take out the first X percentage of loss. So I'm just going to throw it. This isn't an exact one, but let's say that buffered ETF says if the market's up, we're going to give you 15% the first 15% of the gain. If it's up 20, you get 15. You know, oh, okay. Generally, markets are up more often than they're not, so I might have some good years. What about on the downside? What's the situation there, Brian? Well, on the downside, with a buffered ETF, they might take out the first 10 or 15% of the loss. So let's just say it was 15, just to keep the numbers the same. They would say, all right, if the market is down 10%, you don't lose a dime. You say, well, that sounds pretty good. What if it's down 30%? Well, then you lose 15 because we only took out the first 15% on the downside. Oh, okay. So it does protect you in a down market, but not like the fixed index annuity. The fixed index annuity says you can't ever lose anything. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. But you can't make a lot. All right. What if I don't mind taking some risk? If you could buffer my losses, buffer ETF, Mm -hmm. if you could buffer them, reduce them, I would be more comfortable being in the market knowing I still have decent upside potential. I understand it's capped, but it's a pretty high cap. I like that. I'll I'll take a little bit of risk. It's a lot less risky than just being in the market where you have all the losses when they occur. Buffered ETFs, generally on an annual basis, they can measure that. And they're a little bit more liquid than the next category I'm going to talk about. So hopefully we frame that up just between the fixed index annuity and the buffered ETF. So let's talk a little bit more about the structured note. 
Yeah, on the risk return scale, the structured note is that next step up in risk and return. So the structured notes, they can be very complicated. <laughs> They're products put out by banks. Essentially, it is a note, which is technically a bond, but here, here's where it gets complicated. It's a bond created by a financial institution, generally using stock market components within an alternative investment. So now we're going, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you lost me at hello, Brian. And so this stuff gets kind of complicated. Yeah. But, you know, if, if this all were easy, everybody would do it. If right. really good financial planning and tax planning were easy, everybody would do it. We just turn our computer, go to that AI site and say, hey, whip me up a good tax plan, financial plan and uh, <laughs> taking into account my health and yeah. uh, attitudes on markets and all that stuff. And they'd figure it out and spit it out. Well, that's not very realistic. And so we want to look at these things. You don't have to learn all about it. I don't have to know how my car works. I just know I got here this morning yeah. by turning the key, you know, or pressing the button. So that's all I, I need to know that it's working. And so a structured note, I'll do my best to explain what this is. Probably the best way to do that is the difference. We, we talked about the buffered ETF. It takes out some of the downside and gives you a percentage of the upside. The structured note is similar in some ways. It does take out some of the downside. But on the upside, you can have an unlimited gain. And that gain could be even leverage. It could be 100% of the gain, 110, 120% of the gains. And you go, wait a second, Brian, everything has pros and cons. So if that were all there was to it, why would anybody invest in the stock market? I get all the upside and you're taking out some of the downside? Well, that's a great question. I'm glad I asked myself that because they aren't as clean as that. There are some variations. So very often they won't do just the stock market. They'll do three stock markets. They might do the S&P, the NASDAQ, and the Russell 2000. And on the upside, you might get 100, 120%, some number of the least of those indexes over a period of time. It might be two and a half years, might be five years. And so you do get all the returns and maybe then some on the upside with a limitation on the downside of the least of the three indexes. Now, indexes like that tend to run correlated to some degree, but they're going to be different. And you're, if one of them took off, let's say the NASDAQ took off, you don't get the gains of the NASDAQ. You get the gains of whether it was the Dow or the S&P or the Russell, whatever that was, that was lower. And so, again, some people look at that and go, well, that doesn't sound so bad. If markets are up, all those indexes are up. I don't mind having all of the gains of the worst one when you've taken out a whole bunch of losses. That sounds less risky than the stock market. Well, on surface it is. But uh, you, you do take other risks. They're illiquid for a period of time, so you don't get to bounce in and out of them. And they are a debt instrument of a financial institution. So if a very, very large financial institution went under, you might have a problem. And so we have to make sure that you have diversification and the right strategies, the right underlying indexes. That's the stuff that we do on our end. Again, don't try this at home, but if you want to have money represented in the stock market, have decent returns in that on the upside while taking a bunch of the risk out, not all the risk, but some of it, some of the risk out, then this could be a, it's not too, you know, we'll, we'll use your analogy uh, thing, Jeff. Uh, maybe the stock market is too hot and the fixed index annuity is too cold and, and something like this is in between just right. Just right. For you. Right. Yeah, just right. It's kind of warmish. It's It's got attributes of both. <laughs> and so that's kind of the framing of this. It's just uh, different risk tolerances. On Again, on the bottom, we got your CD and then you go up to the fixed index annuity. Well, actually they have the same risk tolerance on the downside.
downside. The fixed index annuity, the next step up might be buffered ETF. The next step, structured note. The next step, direct investment in the stock market. The next step would be direct investment in an individual stock in the stock market. You know, they're, they're all risk return, risk reward scenarios that are different for each. Having a blend of all of them may not be a bad idea. And so many of our clients have all of the above. Uh, everything I just mentioned, they might have in their portfolio. Brian, based on the complexities of the structured notes and the buffered ETFs, I think this is a great example of why someone may want to have a general understanding of these things. But as you said, this is not a DIY project. It really takes an advisor such as yourself who has the experience and the knowledge to use these properly. Why would you use one of these over the other, the structured note or the buffered ETF? Yeah, like I said, you might use all of the above. And you might use, again, it's going to be a reflection of your risk tolerance and how you feel about the stock market. Now, some people are fine having all their money in the stock market. Okay, that's fine. You maybe have extra or or they have other investments and they, they can have some amount in the stock market. But if you're concerned about the security of your portfolio, you're concerned about the first half of the show, we talked about some of the problems in the economy, that the Fed is driving us towards a recession, that our debt is really out of control at $32 trillion, that taxes are gonna have to be raised, that you know the Fed's trying to pump the brakes on the economy. When the economy's down, profits are down, profits are down generally, your stock market investments are down. You're going, I don't want to go through that in, a, in my retirement years. So how do I take some of that risk off? So that's why someone would use these. They'd say, I would like to take some risk out of my portfolio. Not all of it, but some. And depending on how much risk you need out of your portfolio, that would determine the blend of your stock market investment, your annuity investment, buffered ETFs, structured notes, uh, real estate and alternatives and, and so forth. But just having all of that available, again, we talk about diversification. These are diversifiers. These are different kinds of investment products, some accessible by the do-it-yourself or some not. But we'll talk about some of the pitfalls of doing it yourself because some right. things you can miss out when you pick the wrong one. Brian, do you have to be an accredited investor to take advantage of these opportunities? I mean, let's talk about the time frame and restrictions. Yeah, a lot of things I do talk about on this show, you do have to be an accredited investor to get into Delaware Setcher Trust, other things, and some things you, you don't. But uh, rather than go down the laundry list of which ones have what, and e even with private non-traded REIT, some say you, you got to be accredited, some say you got to have 250000 of of assets, some don't care. Every product's a little bit different. And, you know, one of the things you asked was time frame. Fixed index annuities, you, you can get a three-year, a five-year, a seven-year, a 10-year. They generally have some liquidity uh, every year. Buffered ETFs, they might be a one-year hold, a two-year hold. Structured notes, maybe two and a half or a five is very common. But, you know, anymore, there's pretty much, if you want it, it is, it's out there. You know, different time frames, different data points, underlying indexes and so forth. But if you tried to do it on your own, I want to give you a story. And this happened at a conference I was at and one of the first times I really heard about someone using structured notes. Big banks and big companies have been using them for decades but now they're becoming available to the general public so that's why we're talking about that now. But he was talking about structured notes and how he gets this really high rate of return to his investors and it's guaranteed on the upside unless something happened that he didn't really get into. And I was like, well, this sounds too good to be true. And when that happens, I always have to ask, what's the catch? You know, what am I missing here? Why aren't you telling me 
the negative. We talk about it on that show all the time. There are positives and negatives to every investment. This sounded too good to be true. And he basically said, because the negative can't happen. I said, whoa, why do you say that? He says, well, for this particular product, they were using not a buffered objective. They were using something called a barrier. You know, what's the difference? They both, sound, you know, they both start with B, <laughs> barrier, buffer. What's the difference? <laughs> yeah. Big difference. So with a barrier product, the downside protection, he said, yeah, we're protected on the first 35% of loss. And we picked three stocks to get there. And I said, whoa, three stocks, individual stocks. Yeah, but they're never going to drop more than 35%. And I kid you not, one of the ones he said that could never drop more than 35% was Netflix. (laughs) I'm like, wow, okay. You got some bud in there too and some, you know, watching Mutual, the old days, whatever. Yeah. I've seen stocks drop 35% that you've never thought they would. And Mm -hmm. literally a couple of the stocks that he had listed that he puts his clients into were ones that dropped 35% in 2022. And so when that happens, when you have a, not a buffered product, but a barrier product, if the underlying index of the worst of those three drops more than 35%, you would take all of the loss. He didn't mention that in his speech. I had to find Mm. that out on my own later. Mm. Okay, so I'm pretty sure his clients who got clocked (laughs) in that year probably don't remember hearing that. What's the downside risk? Am I taking excessive risk? Don't just tell me markets can't drop that far. I'm older. I know they can. I've seen it happen multiple times. So to stocks, you would never think that would happen to. And so I don't use that product. I don't use barriered anything. I use buffers. I want always to have some protection on the downside if I'm going to go with that kind of product. I don't want to have a situation where once in a while we just get devastated with a huge loss that we didn't see coming. So again, do-it-yourself investors, I don't know that you know all the questions to ask and and have the experience to say, all right, how does this work in different markets? Because especially for younger people, they haven't been through some of the markets that you and I have been through, Jeff. So uh, that can be a big deal. So I wanted to share that that one just nuance, tiny little nuance on buffer versus barrier very different result in the same the product because of the underlying indexes. Brian, I'm sure that based on our conversation today and the complexities about buffered ETFs and structured notes, that our listeners may have some questions. So I want to open the phone lines right now so people can be in touch with us. If you want to enhance your portfolio with some structured notes or buffered strategies, call 833-673-7373. You can do it right now so that you can request your Madrona 30-point analysis and determine if this is a good strategy for you or not. If you're nervous about the next market crash, once again, 833-673-7373 and request your Madrona 30-point analysis and discover multiple ways to lower your risk. Now, you must have at least $500,000 or more of investable assets to qualify for the 30-point analysis, but those who do qualify will be sent out a copy of Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. But we invite you to call right now, 833-673-7373. You're going to get a friendly voice the other end line, then your information is going to be passed on to our team who will reach out to you within one business day to schedule your 30-point analysis. Now, once again, it's not going to cost you a dime. There is no obligation, but it could be just what you need to help uncover some blind spots while improving your overall quality of life for the next 30 years. Once again, you can call right now. That number is 833-673-7373, 833-673-7373. Brian, it sounds like there are a lot of interesting about our topic today. Why would someone want to use this strategy, would you say? 
Yeah, I, I don't put it in portfolios just to complicate things. Uh, everything has a reason. So I think if we step back for a second and we look at our portfolio, generally speaking, people are comfortable having some amount in the stock market. So if we, we go with that assumption, you have money in the market. If I were to say to you, would you like to have less risk with that part of your money? I think most people would say, yeah, less risk is better than more risk. Oh, a structured note or a buffered ETF or a fixed index annuity will allow for less risk. Now the next question is, what about the upside? And that will help us determine how much less risk. So we're implementing these products in client portfolios for the simple reason that if someone wants less risk, they can get that by then having just the money in the market itself. Now, the other thing that this is solving is when you go to most financial advisors and they ask you about your risk tolerance, there's two things they're moving this needle between. It's stocks on one side and bonds on the other. And when you say, I'd like to take some risk off, they move that needle towards the bonds. Mm -hmm. And you go, I haven't been too thrilled about my bond portfolio. Well, that's how we manage risk here. We add bonds and they, huh, that doesn't sound awesome, but I guess, you know, less money in the market, more in bonds that aren't in the market. I, I guess that lowers risk, but I don't feel good about it because I'm not excited about bonds. So that's what the experience, what many people come to me, that has been their experience. I'm saying that there are alternatives to that. When I'm saying, would you like to take some risk off? And they say, yeah, I, I got too much in the market. Great. How would you like to take some risk off on some of it? all the risk off on some of it, and part of the risk off on some of it. Well, that sounds like a good approach. Is that in bonds? Like, no. That's in a fixed index annuity, a buffered ETF, and a structured note. And people go, oh, I mean, I don't have to go into bonds, which I don't want to do in the first place to lower my risk? That's right. We can do that. So that is essentially where it fits into, uh, you know, and then that client often says, what else you got for me? And I, well, now we get to have our real estate discussion and our cash flow for life and our DSTs and, you know, different things like that. And that's when people are going, wow, you got a lot of cool things that I don't have in my stock bond mix, you know, and that one dial with bond on one side and on the left and stocks on the right. And it's stuck at 60-40 and, and I'm going, huh, and that's not really what I want. And so we're talking about strategies that we can implement to achieve the objective of lowering risk while trying to capture upside potential in some balanced method without using bonds as the answer, but using these creative uh, other investments as the answer. And it occurs to me that Madrona Financial and CPA certainly has a lot of tools in the toolbox. And there are many financial advisors out there who just have those too. It is stocks and bonds. So with that in mind, having all of these tools in the toolbox, which of course include things such as buffered ETFs and structured notes, that really does give you the opportunity and with real estate and cash and cash flow. I mean, all of these tools really do help you diversify a portfolio. Yeah, we've got a graphic. I, you know, this is radio, so talking about graphics isn't great radio. But yeah, we, we defined somebody as, you know, stock bonds and annuities as a limited scope advisor. So our icon for that is a, a hammer hitting a nail. Right. So if that's what you have to sell, you're a hammer and it really looks like a nail. And so it's a limited resource to say, well, if you want, you know, lower your risk, we'll just put your money in an annuity. And like, okay, well, that does lower risk. It can eliminate risk, but it eliminates a lot of my, up, some of my upside potentially, unless you're buying a cash flow for life annuity. And so again, that stock bond analysis, limited scope, 
we're full scope advisors. So we have our icon is a toolbox full of all kinds of different tools as opposed to a hammer and a nail. And so our icon says, we don't really care where it goes if it's diversified. And when I say care, you know, I'm not trying to push an annuity over a stock market, over whatever structured note or buffered ETF. It's just all part of our toolbox. We just want to get the right answer. And you know, we don't have a horse in the race here. It, you know, we're, we're fiduciary advisors. We're held to the fiduciary standard. And so we want to get the right answer. I don't think you can get the right answer with limited toolbox with one or two two tools. I don't think anybody's getting the right answer, let alone the tax help and the seven steps that we we bring people through. But it's so critical to have a full toolbox, understand the toolbox to a depth that you know the difference between a buffered strategy and a barriered strategy and what the cause and effects could be in the what if scenarios, you know, to that level is very difficult to find out there. I know this. That's why we get a lot of new clients, you know, and then that's one of the reasons I do this show is so that people can hear me in and go, huh, I don't have that. I would like that. I would like somebody that understands it to that level. Look at my portfolio and help me. I can read up all this stuff but I'll never have that level and working together with Madrona would be a good idea. You know, that's why we do our show is, is to not only to educate, but to give people an action ability to reach out and have this kind of level of service applied to their portfolio, because I'm pretty sure most people listening are most concerned about their own portfolio and not just learning facts and figures. So we do have our calls to action, we call them to let people know that we are taking new clients and, and that these things can be be to your benefit. And again, Jeff, as I mentioned on the show, I've still yet to meet the person that says, I just went through your financial planning process and found that a waste of time. It really didn't (laughs) help me at all. I I wish I'd never even gone through all this planning and figuring things out and learning about new stuff and stuff. You know, I've I've never had that meeting. The one we always hear is, wow, it can be life-changing. It can be take years off of retirement that you didn't have to, to work, as I mentioned earlier in the show and so forth. So just want to encourage people to get out of the inertia if, if that's where you're in. And don't think you have to understand it all to the level we do. Again, I, I don't know how my car works, but I know I, I can drive it <laughs> and yeah. serves its purpose. I don't have to know how, how you know you make these parts or anything like that. So you don't have to either. We'll, we'll do the heavy lifting for you there. Brian, we talked about tools, but before I build a house, I want to see a blueprint or I want to talk to an architect. How do you design a retirement blueprint for people? Yeah, I think that's a that's a great question because what I've heard most people when they talk to another advisor, you know, I might they might say, well, "Yeah, we've talked to three other advisors before we came to see you." Oh, what would you find out? As well, in all three cases, we were talking product in the first 15 minutes. Well, even though we talk product on the radio, that is not what you're going to talk about with us when you come in for financial analysis. So, we're going to get to, you know, the blueprint. We're going to get to know you. We have to know about your goals, objectives, where you're at, where you've been, where you want to be. You know, look at a lifestyle plan, growth plan, protection, tax, health care, gifting, legacy. These are all things, lots of questions to answer back and forth, getting to know you and your objectives and so forth before any product is even talked about. So we're not even talking product generally in a first meeting or even maybe a second meeting. That's almost the easy part for us. Uh, you know, because we have all the tools in the toolbox, we can grab any tool we need for the job. And so that's kind of the easy part. The, the hard part is is figuring out where you're at and 
and getting to know you, that's, uh, I won't say it's hard, but it's very important. And if you're not doing that right now, if your advisor isn't looking at your tax return and, and getting to know all the parts of your finances, then maybe, you know, give us a, a shout and, and we can do that for you. But I think it's very important to understand that we're going to get to know that client very well so we can come up with the right solutions, not just have some cookie cutter approach. And even before you build a house and you get to that blueprint, you want to talk to the architect and they need to find out who you are and what you need in that house. And I think the same thing applies to a financial plan. So if you're listening to this broadcast right now and you're building a financial house and you're interested in requesting your Madrona 30-point analysis so we can determine how the house should be built for you, don't wait until it's too late. Pick up the phone right now and dial 833-673-7373 so you can discover additional ways to potentially improve your quality of life in a retirement that could last 30-plus years. Once again, that number to call 833-673-7373. There is no cost and no obligation for your Madrona 30-point analysis. Once again, that number, 833-673-7373. And remember, one call could make all the difference. Well, Brian, we're out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time. Don't miss a show by subscribing to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans wherever you get your podcasts. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week right here with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. DST investments are only available to accredited investors and offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. Madrona Financial and CPAs is a registered trade name used singly and collectively for the affiliated entities Madrona Financial Services, LLC, Madrona, and Bauer Evans, Inc., PC, Bauer Evans. Investment advisory services are provided through Madrona. CPA services are provided through Bauer Evans. 